you know, in this season, in this time that we're walking through and going through, it's just really important to be together. And that really describes the church, the church that Jesus has intended, the church that he has planned and purpose is a church that is together. A, a church that not really has been determined by size or strength. It's not been determined by the people who go there, how influential or less influential they are, but it's about a people who are bonded together. In fact, when you look at the definition of the word together, it means to be with each other in partnership or in collaboration or cooperation. In fact, Psalm 133 says that how great and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. One translation says that where his people are together or where there is unity, God commands a blessing that we mourn together and we celebrate together. We experience joy together and yet sadness together. You know, this week in, in preparing for this sermon, it was also preparing for a funeral sermon and a burial that, that um, was doing on, on Friday morning of a friend of mine, someone who had, who had known since a teenager and grew up in the church and, and he passed away quite suddenly through stomach cancer and out, out of himself just to being a rock for his own family and just got married, just had a baby and passed um, you know, as quite a shock in the middle of his treatment and you know, preparing his, a sermon to to build the church up and yet preparing a sermon to, you know, really help people who are going through this and family and trying to bring light in the midst of darkness and bring hope in the midst of what is being such a tragic and troubling situation. And that really is the church. That really is life. Like life is not this continuous road where everything goes smoothly, but it's, it's up and down. It's peaks and valleys it's the mountaintop and feeling like you're completely floored and but it's a people that are together at all times together not just on Sunday morning but together throughout the week in prayer and spirit and in truth in fact 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 says don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple his church and that God's spirit dwells in your midst Scripture says where two or three are gathered, there I am also. That, that God's spirit is where his people are. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. You together are that church. You know, sometimes it can be quite um, this tension to manage, you know, your you're pulling up, whether you're driving, you're getting off the Lewis or off the bus, and you're coming into a hotel, and you're coming downstairs into this conference center, and it can feel like, you know, we're walking into a church, really, at the end of the day, it's just four walls together. It's, there's nothing that great about it, but, but we may walk into the Sistine Chapel, or the most beautiful, modern, architectural piece of, uh, uh, of structure that is some church newly built, but yet, at the end of the day, that is not the temple. That is not the church. It's we together, the people are the church, that we are the beautiful ones, really. The beauty is not found in the, the building. The beauty is found in the people who are gathered together in the building. Amen? Amen? And so as we look at this and we really delve into this, uh, this 
season and this theme of togetherness, we're going to be looking at what this looks like for us as a church in the book of Ephesians. And just me as a pastor and leader in this season, and I don't know if you found this in your own life where it can feel like, um, you know, shaky, on shaky ground and unsure and uncertain. Well, thank you, God, that he's given us his word to be grounded on, to be founded on. We don't know what's happening and where we should be and where our belief or our doubt is found in. Keep coming back to the word of God. And I want to go through in this season the book of Ephesians. Ephesians found near the end of our Bibles. It's a, a, a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written to the people of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. Really, it's a church that's quite a, a new church. It's in the, the epicenter of, of culture influence and wealth and it's really about a, a group of people who are being in the midst of all this not in a great cathedral but actually meeting in homes and meeting in places and meeting in places of shelter but it's a people who are experiencing life change but also bringing life change to others through Jesus Christ and it's really it's a time for us to be able to ground it in the word and we're going to be reading through this it's just the book of Ephesians that take you probably 20 minutes to read in total. It's just six chapters, but there's so much depth and truth to it that we can apply to our own lives together as a church, but also together in individual lives. And we're going to be reading today, starting in chapter 1, in verse 1, looking at verses 1 through 14. And you can turn with me there or on your phones and your Bible apps or also encourage you to take notes as well. And it begins in verse 1, written by the Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity, being together to all things, all people in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. What a mouthful. <laughs> what a dense portion and piece of Scripture. But to take out of that one point and, and title of this sermon, a theme of this message is this, Together for a Purpose. 
together for a purpose, that God has chosen you to be a part of this community. God has chosen you for such a time as this, for a purpose. He's chosen us as, as a people that we call open arms. And the reason we exist, our purpose, is so that others may experience life change through Jesus Christ. But as much as he's given us a purpose together as a community and as a body, he's given each and every one of us a purpose. He's given us a God-given plan, a unique identity, personality, gifting, and talent that he's placed in us that as it is fulfilled together in the body, as it's fulfilled together, that God's word says that he bestows a blessing. And he pours out his favor and his blessing and his grace. Not only that, but when we together fulfill each of our purpose, together as one tribe and as one people, Jesus builds his church. Jesus will build his church, a community that he's called, that he's formed together for a purpose. And God, we thank you that you've called us. We thank you for your word. God, I pray as I speak that you may anoint my words. Lord, I pray that you would really... Inspire us today, not just for in right now in this moment to build up our faith, but for our tomorrow, for this week, as we go about our lives and our livelihoods and our families and our homes and our communities, that we know that your word is applicable, not just for Sunday morning, but for Monday morning and right throughout our lives, that we will be truly a people together for a purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, discovering our purpose and discovering who God has called us to be begins by discovering our identity. You know, identity really is something that we can spend our whole lives trying to search after and find. I don't know if you found this, you, those of you who are more mature and older, as you speak to a young uh, those in their late teens or early 20s and they're trying to discover them and find themselves and you find it yourself at your same age I'm trying to discover myself also. I can feel like we're all on this one journey where we're trying to find our true identity. But the truth is, the foundation of our identity can only be found in Jesus. It's really where the battle in the world that we live in, even as Christians within the world, it's like the world is all searching after one thing. For identity. To Discover their identity or to be discovered, to be accepted, to be chosen. And, and we lose the grasp of this at times. And that's why this is so dense in Scripture. And this word is so important. It could take us weeks just to take apart these few verses that we've read today. But it's really important that we understand that our identity is received. It's not achieved. Who you are determines what you do, not what you do determines who you are. What you do is important. It explains who you are, but it does not define who you are. And Paul here, he, he really begins as verse 4 saying, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It begins by knowing that you are chosen. But we are chosen. We are a chosen people. Knowing who we are then helps us discover what we've been created for. Max Dunham, a famous theologian, he commented on the scripture. He said, 
To accept at the depth of our being that we are chosen by God is the antidote for our insecurity, our neurotic fears, and our striving to be accepted. And this portion of scripture, verses 1 through 14, it's known as the doxology of the triune God. It is really a praising God as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Paul has written this really as a, as a praise for God's purpose and our plan in it. He's praising God for his salvation and salvation of mankind, but also his plan within salvation and our purpose and the place in which we find it in. That really he begins in his greeting, verse 1, identifying who he is and what he's called. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He knew who he was. He knew his identity. And he knew what God had called him to do. He knew who he had created him to be. He clearly knows who he is and what he has chosen for. And as we look upon this scripture and we break it up into three parts, I want to share with you three important things as we discover our purpose and our place in God's purpose for our lives. The first point to note is that our purpose is to praise him. Our purpose is to praise him, to live for the glory of God. The letter of Ephesians, it was originally written as all of the New Testament was written in what's known as Koine Greek, ancient Greek. It was written at the time, actually, with, with the, the letter, um, the numbers and the chapters and titles were added only less than 200 years ago. But, but when they were written, actually, chapters 1 through 3 are written as one continuous prayer. Everyone's looking at you, Rahul, taking a photo. It's like... <laughs> I'm just going to point it out because it is Quillot. <laughs> he's taking a photo of John, actually. He, I know that he thinks, looks like he's taking a photo of me. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at it for a moment. Get my good side. Get a good pose. <laughs> but he's written chapters one through three um, as this one continuous prayer. Uh, and he's, he, he begins with praise. And so actually when we, when we read these these scriptures, we don't read them in like, well, we take this scripture and we take this context, but actually it was to be read with one verse leading into the next. And he begins with, with praise, and he, he begins with praise in verse 3, and it's important for us to understand the, the context of the words in which he's praising God. Because, you know, nothing is worse than a a Christian or a person who's praising God on the mountaintop when their life is going well. But, but the context is important because Paul is writing this in prison. Like he's been in prison for preaching the gospel, for fulfilling the very purpose to which he is being called to. And the context of his words is important because where he's writing them from is, gives power to what he is saying. The same for each and every one of us and what we're walking through. It's not so important what we're saying, but where we're saying them from. And the power that it gives us to the purpose to which God has called us to. And it really, he's encouraging the church, and I believe he's encouraging us to, where our purpose is to praise God regardless of the place that we find ourselves in. That, that he's saying that what if that we were to decide today 
that regardless of my surroundings and my situation and my circumstances and the place I find myself in, my purpose is to praise God. Not waiting until I get outside of the prison. Not waiting until I get through the season. Not waiting until I experience freedom from the shackles of the bondage of the shame and the guilt and the grief that I experience. But in the midst of that, I praise God through it. Why is Paul praising God? He says, verse 4, For he chose us in him. God chose us. He says, before the creation of the world. Not even before we were born, but before the world was born. This gives us confidence in knowing that God is all-knowing. He's the all-knowing God because in the seasons and times where we feel like we're in the prison, we feel like, God, you haven't got a clue what you're doing. You know, what, what are you doing? Well, what's the next step that I'm going to take? You know, have you got my next week lined out? Do you... Do you do you know what you're doing? Do you know where I'm going? And what happens is we live our lives constantly worrying and stressing and being anxious and being overwhelmed because we're trying to figure things out when we need to come back to He chose us before the creation of the world. He's the all-knowing God. He has ordained our steps. Every step we take from the moment we're born to the moment we pass from this earth. Why did God choose us? What was his purpose? Well, he says that he chose us, verse 4, to be holy and blameless in his sight. To be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, this is really important to grasp because at this time, at this very moment, they reckon it was somewhere around AD 54, and the Paul is writing these words, and, and this revelation that had been given to Paul to bring as the gospel of grace split the church in two. It split the church in two, really. And if you were to take one important scripture, it would be this very scripture. Where our, the purpose for which God has showed us, chosen us is to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now what happens in this moment is we misinterpret this. Therefore, I need to live my life according to religion and legalism where the gospel is about what I do. I need to be holy. I need to be blameless. But what Paul is saying here, and what is so important for us as the church, is to receive the gospel of grace. It's about what Jesus has done for us. That we are made holy. And we are made blameless in his sight according to what Jesus has done for us. Listen as it continues. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he's freely given us in the one he loves. We are not made holy and blameless on our own by what we are do, don't, what we do but only we are made holy and blameless because of his glorious grace. Because he's predestined us. He's chosen us for the sonship and the adoption through his son Jesus Christ. It is only because of Jesus that we are made holy. It's only because of Jesus that he has come as the unblemished sacrifice given to us as an offering of God that we are made holy, that we are made blameless in his sight. What do we do to receive this? 
this in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It was God's pleasure and his purpose to make us holy and blameless in his sight. It is his will. It is his purpose. It continues on in verse 4. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. It is freely given us because of the glory of his grace. That means there's nothing we did to earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Our identity is freely received. It is not achieved. It is the grace of God is freely given to us. Now, the, the world we live in and the time we live in is where we've got to get our identity. We've got to achieve our purpose. We've got to, all of us have had this time and this moment and where maybe you're still in this season where I've got to discover myself. You ever had that, that time where you had to go find yourself? Right? That, 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 that's what the world, that's what the, the motto of the world is go and find yourself. Be who you want to be. And if you're not happy with who you are, well then change who you are. If you're not happy with your physical form, you can change it right now. If you're not happy with your internal form, you can change who you are. You can change who you are rather than actually accepting who God has created you to be. We're all living on this path somehow as these helpless, you know, insecure men and women where we're trying to search after and search for and discover and almost become someone where the gospel of grace is no. You are chosen. You are a son and a daughter of God. You are holy and blameless in my sight. And therefore, we discover what we're created to do on the foundation and who we are found in, which is Jesus Christ. That our realizing that our purpose is to praise Him because what happens when we live in this place of trying to discover our identity through what we do, it erodes our confidence. And what happens is we make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. And then we get to a certain age in our life and we say, How did I get to this place? And we need to, at this time and in this moment, come back to God's word. That is the answer. That in his word, he says that his mercies are new every day. There can be redemption. There can be forgiveness. There can be, you can be made whole. That where your identity as messed up and as full of sin and shame that you have committed, that has been committed to you, that there is forgiveness. That there is freedom. That we can be set free. And allow our identity to be formed in Jesus. Here's the second thing to note is not only is our purpose is to praise him, our purpose is in Christ. In Christ. Verse 7, he says, in him. 216 times Paul says again and again in the New Testament, either in him, in Christ, or in Christ Jesus. He says, in him. Because he's emphasizing that when we are in Christ, we are in him and he is in us. That there is this relationship as form where we are together in Christ. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This means that 
if you achieve all the success in the world that you can achieve, if you become one of the most influential person or receiving all of the accolades that you fight for and live your whole life after, if you gain all the wealth that you could ever imagine, but yet you're not in Christ, it all amounts to nothing. Think about that for a moment. Now, how much time and energy do you give to that thought versus how much time and energy do you give to searching after everything? That it would find fulfillment in that, that you would find your identity in that, you would find peace in that. But really, our purpose is in Christ. Paul says in verse 7 that in him we have redemption. To be redeemed is to receive the payment of a price or a, a ransom, to be rescued, to be set free. This shows us that the salvation that we receive was obtained by the payment of a price. That it was through Christ's suffering and through Christ's sacrifice that we are set free. It says that it was through his blood, that his blood was shed, that that it was through his sacrifice that we receive salvation. And a result of the redemption that we receive is the forgiveness of our sins. That we receive the forgiveness of our sins. And this means that we are forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now Paul understood at the time when he was writing. And it's just always important in scripture. As you, as you study scripture that you would know what was what was Paul or the writer saying to the people in which he was writing into in that day? And what is he saying to us in this day? Now in that day at this time, as there was this discussion within the church, and it's a discussion that continues in the church 2,000 years later, was Paul understood that the law in which really religion was based upon, at that time, it was about your sacrifice. In fact, at the time, it was um, where you would have to choose an unblemished lamb that you would take and you would sacrifice and its blood would be shed. It would be a physical act that would be covering over your sins. There would be literal blood being shed that somehow that you could uh, make up for or attain for yourself that you would cleanse yourself through a physical act or physical sacrifice. Now, in the Catholic tradition, or even within many of the traditional faiths, we may be familiar with the term to pay penance for. Have you ever heard that term? Or we may have that you need to pray more. Or somehow you can make up for what you've done. Or, or somehow through the good deeds that you can do, or the people that you help, or the, the more scripture that you can know, or whatever it is that I can do more so that I can make up for. It's this legalism, it's this religion that seeps into our life and seeps into our faith. But being in Christ, united through with Jesus, together with Jesus, is the only way that we receive forgiveness for our sins. It is the only way. And why would God do this? It says that he did this in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He did this according to the riches of his grace. Grace is translated in the Greek as charis. It means favor, blessing, or gift. That God did this for us with the gift of his glorious grace through the cross. We see here that, that love and sacrifice go hand in hand. 
sacrifice and suffering and the love that God has us goes for hand in hand. That, that Jesus chose to be sacrificed on our behalf. Why? Because of his grace. Because of his favor. Because of his blessing. He gave his son as a gift to us. Now what do we receive in this redemption of our sins? Verse 8 says, With all wisdom and understanding, the purpose of a redemption is that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Maybe you're confused about your will and your purpose. And Paul is saying here, and I believe that this word is true, that it's in Christ that we discover his purpose. That it's in Christ that we discover the pleasure of his will for our life. The plan for our life. The next step that we should take. Verse 10 continues, it says, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is the ultimate purpose of God, to bring all things together under Christ. All things together, together for a purpose. Can you imagine that from the very day the world has begun, that God has been preparing for the moment he's been planning for, he's been administering the entire world for the day and for the moment where all things will come together under Christ. Where every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our purpose is in Christ. And this is important for us as a church and as a community. Because as we ask the question, what is the purpose of the church within the world that we live in? Like within the 21st modern world that we really, you don't need anyone else. You can do all things by your own strength on your own. You don't even need to leave your house today. You can work on your own by yourself and, you know, live in that way. You don't even need to go out and shop anymore. You can, we can live this isolated silo world where it becomes about the individual but the place of the church within our community is coming together in Christ it's where all people regardless of race socioeconomic background color or creed come together for a purpose as verse 11 and 12 says what purpose that in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory the Amplified Translation says to live for the praise of His glory. The Living Bible says that God's purpose in this was that we should praise God and give glory to Him for doing these mighty things for us. That's the purpose of the church within the community. To praise Him, to give Him glory, to lift Him higher, to point our fingers towards Him and not ourselves. Come together in Christ. Here's the final point. A purpose is his promise. God has not just given us a purpose for our lives. He's given us a promise. We can be getting a little bit purpose obsessed. Our life is all about the next day that we're living towards. 
Christian life is not just about our purpose and somehow that we'll get to one day and one moment where it's finally achieved. And yes, there is a race that we run towards a goal in which God has called us heavenward. But we need to hold on to the promise that God has given us. He says that I will be with you always. This promise that God is with us. He is for us. That he helps us, equips us, empowers us to live out the purpose in which he's called us to. To be the man, to be the woman in which he has already created us to be. And who we are becoming before this time, before this moment. His promise is that I will be with you always. Verse 13 says, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see, we become one in Christ, united together when we, we hear and respond to the gospel of salvation. And we also receive a promise. Now, unfortunately, within the church, within even the modern church of today, many people have received salvation but have missed out on the seal of the Holy Spirit. Many have maybe even received a purpose but missed out on the promise. You see the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14 says, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What is our inheritance? Our inheritance is this. That the day that we pass from this earth, the day that we leave our earthly bodies, we will be in heaven. That we have a place in heaven. You know, as we were doing the, the funeral on Friday mornings, young man, 31 years old, his body is lying there in the coffin, but his soul is in heaven. His inheritance, the 31 years that he lived out, the same day and years, however that you have been living, you know that your inheritance is in heaven. But the great news about the gospel, what so many of us miss out on, we don't need to wait until we get to heaven to experience the presence of Jesus. Our inheritance is in heaven, but our deposit is the promise of the Holy Spirit with us here on earth. His Holy Spirit is, is available and is active for us right now, even in this moment, that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us. Through the Holy Spirit, He hears us, He speaks to us. He's with us every day, every moment, every trial. And yet, every celebration, that we can live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he helps us to form our identity in Jesus. He helps us to know that we are chosen. He helps us to live daily from the foundation that our identity is found in Jesus. As you look upon your own life right now, and maybe you've been living each moment with this striving for and working to get to a certain place either within your career or within your family or within your marriage or just within your own identity. We all do it. We all, we all say, when I get to this place or when I get to this time or when it gets to summer, <laughs> when, when the kids go back to school, when, when I finally get to this place, 
And we live all of the time where we're searching and we're striving and we're anxiously working on when trying to discover our purpose. And yes, there is a place for that, but we need to hold on to the promise that's found in the Holy Spirit. For this day, in the present age and in the one to come. Hey, why don't you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment. As you think about that right now where you are, what do you need from the Holy Spirit? What do you need from Him? Where do you need Him to help you? To give you strength? To give you grace? To give you understanding? Because you may say, I don't understand. To give you clarity where you may feel I have confusion. Maybe you've been living every day almost from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, almost wishing it away, trying to work towards a certain place or just to experience peace. We know that the Spirit of God is here.